Welcome to the Benchmark Podcast. This is Brother Wolf. I'm here with Collins. Say hello to Collins. What's up, y'all? Today we're going to talk about something very interesting that me and uh, Collins just went over, which is a little story that I like to bring out called The Battle of the Kite Man. I really like it a lot. It was in uh, DC Comics, and it was one of those things that I, I think was great literature that I think anybody should go ahead and check out. Uh, it's a Batman story, and it happens during the War of Jokes and Riddles, in which uh, Batman is basically there with uh, the Joker and the Riddler saying either one of them could attain what they wanted, but they had to get rid of the other one in order to do it. What did they want? Uh, they wanted the death of Batman, which is something that they always want. So that was the one thing in which they both agreed that uh, both of them wanted to go ahead and do so in the middle of the story, uh, like I said, there's something called the Ballad of Kite Man, which happens in which Kite Man, one of the smaller uh, cast uh, in, in Batman's rogues gallery of people, uh, actually becomes a central figure in the story by uh, both sides forcing him against them, against each other. They wind up killing his son. So he didn't uh, redeem himself during the story. And Batman convinces him that this would be the perfect way in order to do it, which is to hijack their war. And I think it is a pretty good story. And I just wanted to hear what Colin's thoughts on it. I, I've already said most of mine, but I was interested. So go ahead, Colin. Thank you. Appreciate it. First things first, long night of drinking. So doing water right now. That should let you know how bad it is. But uh, I'll start with saying this. I am a avowed Batman hater. It just doesn't make sense to me. He's too contra... He's too conflicting. You're the best, yet you have trouble doing things. The only story that ever truly made sense to me was Nightfall. That made sense to me. I was fine with that. Other stuff, like in the beginning of it, I can deal with. Just some of it, it just doesn't work with me. Just for people that don't know, what was the story of Nightfall again? I oh. believe it was the one where Bane broke his back. Is yeah, that basically, correct? yeah. Yes. Thank you for going ahead and getting that clarification. But the reason I liked it was because even though Bane was this big hulking brute, it showed he was tactical, he showed he was divisive, and he did the smartest thing ever. If you know you're going up arguably against someone who could defeat Superman, you need to what? Tire his ass out. And he emptied Arkham. Had everybody running crazy, and Batman for three days was trying to contain the mess. And then what happened? Oh, yeah, it's your week and worse, right? Unfortunately, and this is one of the worst statements I'll probably ever make in my life, the best time to kick a man is when he's down. You know? Batman does consistently find that out. I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the one thing is, uh, I think the interesting thing is both of those stories had uh, had a three-day system in there, which basically um, there's an old saying which goes that, uh, how, do you, uh, how do you start a civil war? Don't feed a man or his family for three days. Yeah. That starts a civil war. And so the fact that on both of those stories, they basically wear down Batman for three days. A guy that, as you said, arguably can defeat Superman, but he tires out after continually going after him all, all the time, which is something which they do on those stories. 
Uh, I do like Bane as a character also. I just want to state that too. But one of the things that uh, Collins has said to me on several occasions, and I think is true, is the fact that Batman is never about Batman. It's always about his villains. Yeah, that's, it, that's, that's, Batman is defined by his villains. He cannot stand without his villains. From Joe Chill all the way through. And depending if you played the, uh, the, the Telltale game series, even potentially Thomas Wayne, which that was a Batman story I liked. And if you don't know it, basically what we find out is the Falcone family, Mary Hill, and the Waynes owned Gotham. And what Thomas would do was he'd go to Arkham. He, it, it was such a great story. So spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Thomas would go ahead and have somebody committed to Arkham and then have them lose their power of attorney and would go ahead and shift their assets over. Wow, I didn't I didn't know that. That so, is big. So what he'd go ahead and do is he was already rich because of his uh, investments in his holdings, and he'd go ahead and, and it happened to Oswald Coppelbot. His mother got committed, went ahead and found out she was unfit, and then from there they just all took all the assets. Hill got his cut back, so Hill controlled the legal. Uh, Falcone controlled the underworld, and they just split it, and they just had control of the city. That's an interesting story to me, and that lets you go ahead and say, do I still want to go with the Wayne name? Is that why I call myself Batman? You know, like, that's the, that's why I like it. But to go ahead and continue on into Kite Man, so I'm a, like I said, just distaste to the highest degree regarding Batman. This story, I don't like because I'm not a Joker fan. I get it, but he's not my cup of tea. Uh... And the Riddler doesn't make sense to me. My favorite Batman villain is Ra's al Ghul all day, every day. And to me, the Riddler is the campy version of Ra's al Ghul. He's trying to prove a point instead of letting the point be proven on its own. It's one of those weird things. So I just got a breakdown of it. I did not read this series, so I am not ignorant. I had the cliff notes. And that and that's the one thing is uh, as far as that's concerned, I do like Rachel Ghoul as a character too. I think he's one of the better Batman characters. Also, I do disagree with is the um, the story. What makes the story so particular is that the Joker can't laugh, and after years of doing the same jokes and everything like that, he realizes this is a man that's a comedian that can't laugh. He can't say anything or look at anything and laugh. He's been laughing for years. And that's the scary part about it. It actually continues after this that everybody's worried because the Joker can't laugh. And even after he has this good laugh that he has at the end of uh, the uh, War of Jokes and Riddles, which, uh, spoiler alert, um, Kite Man actually winds up, uh, actually winds up outsmarting both of them for a brief minute. And Riddler says he set that up specifically so that Joker could laugh. He doesn't laugh at that, but he does laugh at the fact that Batman almost kills him and Joker saves his life. And so that's what made him laugh. But the funny thing is, is uh, there's that. And plus, there's the fact that the Riddler has a riddle he can't solve, which is Batman. So I think both of them have their different reasons for why they want to be in it and why the same things that they normally continue to do are not the things that they can do during this story. So 
I get what I get what they're going at. Let's go ahead and change the game. Let's make it like with Dr. Quinzel. A psychiatrist went crazy. You know what I mean? Like things like that. Like with Two Face, the law being divided for him, so he's literally a physical manifestation of his his psychosis. Uh the Joker not laughing, I get that. Although I will say putting the teeth in a row to make his a smile, that was funny. <laughs> I didn't laugh when you were showing, but that was funny. <laughs> so, I mean, first off, let's let's back up a little bit. Joker can't laugh and with someone as crazy as the Joker, he's doing what? More and more disgusting and vile acts to figure out what'll get him to the finish line. And what it what made me laugh was He's trying to go ahead and smile. That's his his goal. He, that's his objective, to smile. And what he does to get a rise out of Carmen Falcone, who is, quote-unquote, the original gangster in the Batman universe, he goes ahead and extracts the teeth from his mother, lays them on a desk, and says, look, she's smiling. That was fucked up. <laughs> that was funny. It was yeah. kind of like, to me, the... Everybody saw that scene coming in goddamn Dark Knight. How do you make a pencil disappear? I was like, don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't do don't it. Don't do it. I, I forget what the actor's name, but no. no. <laughs> don't do it. To you. Oh, motherfucker, Brandon. Like, he, the Joker didn't punch him. He just ran into his fist. Right. You know, but so Joker's trying to do more and more and more shit. And then the whole thing's for the Riddler to make him laugh when all they're trying to do. The, the, the connections are tenuous at best. Tenuous at best. And that's, like I said, it's part of the reason why I don't like it. So, for Kite Man, why is he important? Uh, he gets set up by the Riddler, and because he has a hobby of kites, which he eventually turns into his superhero persona, his son, the Kite Man's son, was flying a kite and didn't realize, or Kite Man didn't realize that Riddler had poisoned the yarn, the rope, the string. So that way, when it got absorbed into the young boy's system, he was going to die. So Kite Man's trying to figure out how to go ahead and redeem himself because he feels he inadvertently killed his son and got dragged into this war for nothing. So I get him one to do that. My concern is this. I saw New Jack City. I like when the old man went up to the courtroom and pulled the trigger Killed Nino Brown yeah. and Ice T smiled. There's a space in hell for you, <laughs> Nino Brown. Wow. There wasn't questions. There wasn't concerns. Nino Brown was shot. He's like, a sugar cookie? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah. So that that's the whole thing. And uh, I do want to say one thing that you didn't see because they didn't talk about that in the video, but it is something we found out later. Oh, quick pause. Shout out to Comic Storian for having the uh, cliff notes so that way I can go ahead and follow. Appreciate it. Thank you much. Do plan on supporting the comic book industry, but Corona has made my finances very, very, very tenuous. Let's keep using no, that word. I think we're all feeling that, <laughs> definitely. But yeah, yeah, the one thing that I did want to say is later on, we actually found out that Batman knew that uh, Kite Man's son had been poisoned when he went up and told Kite Man that it was just a cold. So that was the one thing in which he did, but he told him that so that he would do what Batman asked him to do and not worry about his son. Mm. So at the same point in time, we, you, you have to realize the story also is taking place in the, in the future, talking about the past because 
Batman is telling this to Selena Catwoman, who he's about to marry at the time, to let her know that he isn't all uh, uh, about to propose to. Now we already know that the answer is yes. Even like with Black Panther and Storm, we knew they were going to get married. Whether they stay together is something different, but it was going to happen. Absolutely. So the one thing is, is uh, he's actually telling her that in order to let her know that he's not always a hero. He's not always the good guy. He at times does things in which he should not probably do. And uh, I, I think that's part of the beauty of the story is that he explains it to himself that he isn't the hero of this story. And actually in the middle of the story, uh, the Riddler tells Joker and Joker speaks to him and they're like, this isn't about you, Batman. This is about the fact that he can't laugh and I can't have and I can't solve a riddle. That's what this whole story is about. And then right there, Catman comes, uh, Kite Man comes through and he's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> so I think that's part of the beauty of the story is the fact that, you know, while all of these people that have been falls in Batman's role gallery for I don't know how long have always, you know, uh, had a knack of showing up right when the other one was about to finish off Batman and fight him. It's one guy who's been shitted on basically his entire storyline is the one that becomes the star. So, you know, what's the other thing that concerns me regarding this? What does DC stand for in DC comics? Detective comics. Glad you know it. Appreciating it. Yeah. Cheers to you, sir. Definitely. My issue is this, is that I would have preferred to see it from a different angle in which Batman tries to solve it. And the others force him out and keep him on the outside. So he's not able to get the clues and not figure out what's going on. As opposed to having the town divided like the the, the movie City of God. Uh, in where we're just having horrible murders and, and violence. And it, it doesn't even equate. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense. And also, going back to an initial point. This is a story Batman is recalling to Selena Kyle before she gives the marriage proposal answer. On a scale of yes to no, Selena Kyle can get it. Let's not pretend. I, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. But marriage? No. You're diametrically opposed, number one. Number two, Black Cat over Selena Kyle. All day, every day, 1992 Marvel Masterpieces. That girl got it. I think that was a reach only because... Batman has never shown love for anything but himself. Like, he is a narcissist to the highest degree. So, his marriage marketing ploy. I can understand why you would say that, definitely. Um, the, the one thing that they do go about, and uh, I didn't really see um, all of it, but we, uh, we have a mutual friend that has seen all of it that did tell me about it, is the storyline in between him and Selena. Uh, goes a lot greater than this, where it actually goes into the fact that, you know, Selena is at first getting used to the fact of settling down. And then once she gets used to the fact of settling down, she also has to come to the realization that uh, Bruce needs to be Batman in order for Gotham to make it, in order for Gotham to survive. We have to remember that if there is no Batman, Gotham is left up to the the um the whims <laughs> of a whole bunch of different uh characters that are unsavory at the least 
Mm-hmm. Unsavory. That's the best word you got? <laughs> yeah. Unsavory. <laughs> you read and The then, Killing Joke. You saw what he did. Well, we mm-hmm. assume what he did to Barbara Gordon. Right. What he did to James Gordon. I'm like, come on. Some of the things. Killer Croc ate a man's hand. Yeah. And I mean, the one thing that we find out from off of Suicide Squad, I don't know how many people uh seen Suicide Squad, is the fact that while we have always known Batman's worst villains, Gotham has other smaller villains that we don't really get a chance in order to see that often. Uh, villains like Deadshot, villains like Killer Croc um, that have background stories that are tragic and some of them are created from off of these larger scale vi- uh, villains. Uh, definitely um, people like, like Harley, like we know what her story is and everything like that. Uh, Poison Ivy uh, was actually utilized during the War of Jokes and Riddles in a way in which she was uncomfortable with, but she was actually afraid to say anything because she knew if she wasn't on pick, didn't pick a side on it, and that would mean that she would uh, she would be left on the outside, and then if you weren't with one of them, then they were going to kill you, and that was the basic premise behind. It. See, the other thing that gets me is this: is that okay? It's an ideological split. And I think if I were to have a, a example of an ideological split that was done correctly, Schism by the X-Men. Uh, I have it somewhere on my shelf. I'll have to go find it. But what basically happened is the mutants are being messed all the way over. And you have a schism between Cyclops and Wolverine. Uh, at this point, the Xavier School had been already blown up. Mutants are outed. M-Day had happened. We're trying to recover. Mutants are lack of a better term, a, 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 a dying species is like less than 500 at this point. So what we're trying to do, well, excuse me, what they're trying to do by they, Cyclops and Wolverine, try to figure out what is the best path for their prospective futures. From what I remember, Wolverine played the reason in this. Uh... Yeah, go figure, right? <laughs> the one who's berserker is a... <laughs> the point being is this, though. Mutants had a target on their back, and there were two options. Cyclops said, let's go ahead and go to this island called Utopia right outside San Francisco. We could be our own uh, nation. We can go ahead and defend ourselves, and we can make sure we'll never be a target again. Wolverine was like, kids need to be kids. We can't go ahead and always be on the attack. When do we start to build something for ourselves? And he wanted to reopen the school. And there was a schism between everybody else. And I see that schism as being, I I hate this word, but more organic and obvious about it. Like some people, you know why you pick them and what they'd want to do. So case in point, I personally am a Cyclops fan. I went ahead and said, yeah, you believe this and this is what we're going to do and why. But I also understand and give credence to Wolverine's side. Like I don't deny his stance at all in the war of jokes and riddles i'm just taking the punisher route and put a bullet in everybody's head and i think of the thing in marvel's first civil war he abdicated he left the u.s and was like this makes no sense we're fighting each other you're telling me somebody like killer croc is afraid of a bullet i'm telling you somebody like killer croc is afraid of a lot of bullets (laughs) not one bullet (laughs) he's afraid of a lot of bullets because the one thing that they didn't show on them is the fact that basically every villain in uh, in, 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 in Gotham, Gotham was actually on one or the other side. Uh, you know, villains like Killer Croc, 
Poison Ivy, Clayface, Clayface, uh, Kite Man, <laughs> yeah, uh, Kite Man, uh, Two Face. You know, all of these people were actually uh, had to pick a side. Penguin, uh, who uh, he's just the uh, cons- financial consultant for uh, Cal Calphone or Calzone. Good. Carmine Falcone. Falcone. And he's just... Did you just call the man Calzone? <laughs> Did you really just call him we, we We all know he's a stereotype of an Italian gangster. That's all I'm saying. And so, that, so why did you make him food? <laughs> that, that, um, is, isn't a Calzone Italian food? I'm sorry. This is sounding bad. Uh, please, hopefully we'll edit that part out. But the second thing is, is the fact that... <laughs> I need a drink. I, I, I think that the gist of it was you had to pick a side. And if you have to pick a side, what would you rather stand on? And um, Batman said he'd rather stand on the Riddler side because at least the Riddler has a version of sense in order to his actions. They may not be the one that you want to follow, but he has one. As opposed to the Joker, which, as we all know, Joker is chaos. That's what he is. Yeah, He's chaos personified and he that was that is what makes him the perfect fall and why he's shown more oftentimes than the riddler as the batman's fall because batman is order and so if you have order you want chaos not order versus order it happens but it doesn't make as interesting a story and so that's the one thing that uh that you have to realize and you know what now that you've broken it down like that I want. I definitely want to go ahead and get a better version than the Cliff Notes version, but that, to me, is just showing the uh, how poorly foils are written sometimes, and how we go ahead and do it, and how we can nuance them or, or find that nuance to go ahead and do that. So I appreciate that more. So getting back to the issue at hand. Excuse me. Say it correctly. Back to the lecture at hand. Perfection <laughs> is perfection. So I'm gonna let them understand what. One sentence, less than 10 words. What made the Ballad of Kite Man great to you? Like I said, it was the story of a smaller criminal that is always beat on by the world. I mean, Kite Man, then during this story, it showed you that uh, he was not thought of highly on even by the smallest of crooks in uh, the Riddler and, uh, and Joker's army. But it shows you that even a person that is the smallest person in uh, in a story can make the biggest difference of all. And I think that that uh, showed it. And also it showed that even though um, it would be questionable whether or not he redeemed his son in the story, I do believe in a way he did by showing the two of them that they're not as big as they thought they were. But, um, you know, that's just the way in which it is. So I think that's the most important thing is it showed that even the smallest character in a story can make a big difference. I'm fine with that, but I'm not fine with one thing. Took you more than 10 words to get to those 10 words. (laughs) Yes, I wanted to explain the 10 words first, but I understand. Yeah, and I can appreciate that. You know what I mean? And I you like, hey, let's put it in really simply words. Kite man's a Hufflepuff. (laughs) I'm just gonna sum that up real quick like that right now. But you know, like like I'm I'm trying to not be as jaded as I am, because to give you a little background, Punisher is one of my favorite characters because he's a trope killer. The problem with comic books is that they survive and thrive off of tropes. So when he's like, We're gonna change the game up, I was like, Whoo! Oh, 
oh, like this is real. Oh, this is news. So to watch some of the things happen in comic books, it gets to a point where the suspension of disbelief just needs to be through the roof. Like case in point, I just made mention of the fact in Civil War, the thing abdicated, which is another example of a perfect ideology split, which I think I want to see more examples of it done in D.C., but I don't think D.C. will do it as well as Marvel. But I'm also biased because pro Marvel. How do you define that ideological split or? No, not that. It's just. Is the ideological split even necessary? Like case in point, what I'm saying is this. If you lived in the purge in in the U.S. during the purge, what would you do to survive? Find a way to get out. Okay, so the word I'm going to use is self-imposed exile. You telling me of all the places to live in the world. Gotham, you just have to live in Gotham, where murder, robbery, rape, arson. Arguably what people say about New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I'm not not getting into that one today. I'm not getting into that one today. But yes, I mean, fuck you. you I I think I made my point, ladies and gentlemen. No, you didn't. Because I'm not running into that shit. I don't have that problem. But you're telling me that of all the places you can go, Gotham has to be the place to be. And I mean this for all the villains. Did you have to pick a side? Man, my mom is sick in, you know, Hoboken. I got to go to Albuquerque. I got to go to, to, I can't think of the name, Poughkeepsie. There we go. Coincidentally, while he's talking, remember, Falcone's mom did not live in Gotham. But continue. (laughs) Ties to Gotham. You you know what I mean? But you, you can't go anywhere else. Like, it just doesn't sit right with me. You know what I mean? But at the same time, some people are stuck. So... For argument's sake, let's just say you were stuck for whatever reason. Looking at the poster right now, I'm looking at a poster on my wall. Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Conviction. Fuck Snake, Sam Fisher every day. One of the things that I remember about Sam that I love so much is he always said, if I have to choose between leaving a corpse or getting caught, there isn't a question at all. That's what it basically comes down to. And I get that, and I agree with that sentiment. The problem is this. What can we do to ensure that that question is never asked in the first place? Why are we not finding a third-party candidate? Why is it a zero-sum game? And for me, the contrivance is so painful. I just can't agree with it. So I want to go ahead and try and remove my bias and watch it again with the... This is about a man trying to go ahead and do the best he can with the circumstances he has. As opposed to, man, just leave. Just it's black and white. When it's more shades of gray, not 50, you realize it's not as easy to act or interact. And that's an appreciation I've always had that you've had. And I'm stepping back out of my own mindset to say, okay, what can I do to appreciate this more? Why is it so worthwhile? I think with a little bit of editing, this could have been a much better story. Initial response, C minus. Oh, but here's the thing, too. I am allowed to change my mind and admit I made a mistake. I plan to go back to this, plan to report on it, and we'll go from there. What I did like is the believability of Joker not laughing. I believe that 
he would go through crazy extremes to do that. I don't believe that. I don't believe Riddler would set all that up because I don't believe they have that much of a connection. I might be wrong. I'm not the DC guy, but I do believe that Batman also could have done better in his managing the situation. Like case in point, we never talk about the details of how Batman was maneuvering while the entire city goes to hell. You know what right. I mean? It did seem like uh, it. you got the impression that he was kind of sitting on his thumbs a little bit instead of actually trying to uh, solve the situation. Uh, he did do some things against the two side snipers in which they were killing people every day out, out of this park. Um, but he he was always getting to the point that he could never find either the Joker or the Riddler while this was going on. He couldn't find one or the other of them. And so he was trying to use Kite Man to find them first. But then after he found them, he realized that his only way of truly getting to them would have been to meet it, meet them, find out which one was the better option, and join that side and take that other one out. Which leads me to, once again, why I hate Batman. What does DC stand for? Detective Comics. And what is Batman? A detective. And you couldn't what? Find them. <laughs> you couldn't detect. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> the world's greatest detective couldn't detective. Right. So right now we are going a little bit far into it. And uh, my buddy Collins, he's got to check out the story a little bit more. So uh, for today, I'd have to say that's it. Benchmark. Uh, y'all have a good evening. Say bye, Collins. I need more alcohol. <laughs> this is Collins, and thank you for listening to the Benchmark Podcast, product of Benchmark Media, LLC, where we always attempt to establish a positive benchmark. We would like to remind everyone that the views and opinions expressed are strictly the views and opinions of each individual, and those views do not reflect the stance of Benchmark Media. Any opinion stated is not to be construed as professional advice or help. Please contact a professional for any help you may require. We'd like to thank all of our guests for their contributions, and of course to you, our listening family. Don't forget any of our sponsors. Please visit and support them as well. Our intro and outro music is Acid Trumpet by Kevin McLeod. Remember to contact us at therealbenchmarkpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on all our social media outlets, such as Facebook or Instagram. If you'd like to be a friend of the show, you can donate to us via our PayPal. Or you can donate me a drink. All rights reserved by Benchmark Media, LLC. Collins out.